Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Holiday greetings and welcome back to Gather by the Ghost Light, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, and sometimes voice actor on this thing. And there's some good news going around. If you ordered one of the new Gather by the Ghost Light t-shirts from T-Villain last month, well, those shirts are currently on their way to you. Some of you have even already received yours and you've been taking awesome photos wearing them and you've been posting them on social media. I, I, I love it. I love seeing it. You guys are awesome. And if yours hasn't delivered yet, have no fear. It is on the way. And speaking of social media, if you've been following Gather by the Ghost Light, then you know that today is the beginning of the annual third time ever festive Christmas holiday special extravaganza. Which this year means that each week this month there will be a new holiday-themed episode released for your listening pleasure. And up first is a new play called The Santa Thing, written by Greg Lamb. You are about to meet a young woman named Taylor. She is overly excited to bring her somewhat serious girlfriend home to meet her parents during the holiday season. But there's just one thing they need to talk about beforehand. The whole Santa thing. This one is for all you out there who never stopped believing. Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is The Santa Thing, written by Greg Lamb. And be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with this writer. Well, this is it. So it is. Very cute place. Yeah, it's little, but it's home. Quaint little house, quaint little town, quaint little you. (laughs) Are you nervous? No. Why? You always act a little dorky when you get anxious. I mean, a little maybe. Meeting your folks for the first time and all. You know how I am around new people. What do I even talk about with them? It's a little nervous making. Don't worry. My folks are beyond psyched to meet you, believe me. Really? Really. It's like they are even more happy about you than I am. I'll choose to take that as a compliment. Of course it's a compliment. Ever since I told them about you, they always ask about you. They insisted that I bring you home for Christmas this year. Huh. I like your folks already. Shall we? Um, before we go in, Liz, there's just one thing I have to mention. What's that? It's just that there's just one little issue. Wait. Are you not out with your folks yet? Because you promised me this wouldn't be a Hallmark Christmas movie plot. No, no, please. We are long past that. I came out to them in high school. It hardly disappoints them much anymore. Oh, okay, good. Then what is it? It's just the Santa thing. The Santa thing? Yeah. I I know you didn't grow up with Santa, and honestly, that makes me a bit sad, but I don't want it to be awkward. Why would that be awkward? Me and my family had our traditions, you had yours. I know you say that, but in the past, I found that some people get weird on Christmas morning. Really? How? Well, before you and I met, if I brought someone home when I got my present from Santa on Christmas morning and they didn't, it's caused a certain amount of friction. Your present? Yeah. From 
Santa. Yes. When you say from Santa... Yes, now you're gonna say it. Um... I mean, that's why I wanted to mention this beforehand. I don't want this to get awkward in front of my folks. <laughs> what do you think I'm about to say? That Santa doesn't exist. Yeah, that. Nothing I haven't heard before. And what do you usually say to that? If Santa doesn't exist, then why am I still getting these amazing presents from him every year? Duh. <laughs> Taylor, you're 26. You don't even go to church. I mean, you at least never had a relationship with Santa, so I get it. I can understand your skepticism. But for my exes who grew up with Santa and lost him, I tell them, it's not my fault that you blew it. You're the one who lost faith, not me. I'm sorry, but I guess you were naughty, and that's why he doesn't go down your chimney anymore, Julie. That's what I tell them. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, Taylor, you almost had me with the... <laughs> and then when the... Oh, holy smokes. You really had me. Alyssa. I never thought you were capable. I mean, you kept such a straight face that I couldn't. Alyssa, I'm serious. You are? I am. Oh, God. You are serious. How? Santa still gives you presents? Yes. And every year it's even bigger and better than the year before. It's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, I know he makes a list and checks it twice, but he is on a hell of a streak with me, and I don't know how he'll top himself this year. What did he get you last Christmas? The apartment! Do you think I could afford that place on my own? That... that's quite a gift. I know! In the year before that, the new car. I thought you were talking metaphorically when you said Santa gave that to you. It's almost too much. I want to tell him that he doesn't have to keep topping his last year's gift. I've mailed him many letters telling him that, but it doesn't stop him. It's been... Uh, 18 straight years of increasingly awesome gifts. What... what happened 18 years ago, if I can ask? Oh, it's a little embarrassing. When I was eight, I didn't like my present from Santa. The year before, he gave me a cool bike. But then that year, I got a sweater. And I guess I threw a huge tantrum about it. I cried to my folks, Mom, Dad, why did Santa only give me an ugly sweater? I was so good this year. Why? For hours. Oh, my God. I locked myself in my room and moped for over a week. It's embarrassing to talk about now. <laughs> I'll bet. I mean, Santa has to give gifts to all the children in the world. Well, not all the children. You know what I mean. He has such a big job. He can have an off day. I'm older now, so I get this, and I've totally forgiven him. That's your takeaway from that? Ever since that Christmas, I've gotten a present from Santa better than the year before. Playstations, skateboards, a puppy, the trip to New York, the trip to Paris, the used car, the new car? And you've noticed that none of your friends still get presents from Santa? Yeah, can you believe it? They always try to tell me that Santa doesn't exist. He's just a myth, blah, blah, blah. So of course they won't get presents, those poor schmucks. It really makes me question our generation. I can see that. And forgive my ignorance, we didn't do Christmas, as you know. So do you expect to get presents from Santa for the rest of your life? Oh no, you stop getting presents from Santa when you get married. Do you? Yeah, my parents told me that's when they stopped getting presents. Oh, if they ask you if we're getting married soon, don't worry about it. They do that to everyone I bring home. Mm, I bet they do. It's their little joke. 
They sell it so well. Like, they're desperate to marry me off. Parents. <laughs> Taylor, do your folks also get you Christmas presents? Oh, yeah, of course. And they're fine, but, you know, it's like a card or homemade cookies or something like that. They're both school teachers on school teacher salaries, so they can't really compete with old moneybag Santa. Yeah, those poor people. Your folks are something else. They love me, and that's all that matters. I don't need big presents from them. Santa gives me the good stuff every year. I'm beginning to get a good picture of what things are like in your family. And I haven't even set foot in your house. Hey, look! Speak of the devil. Look over there. My folks are looking at us through the window. Aren't they cute? Hey! Hey there. I told you they're excited to see you. Now, let me try to encapsulate the state of things, as I've learned about them today. According to agreed-upon facts, you, a grown woman, are still receiving Christmas presents of increasing value addressed from Santa. But your parents, your not-too-affluent parents, have told you that after you get married, Santa probably won't give you presents anymore. Yeah, and that's a bit sad, but it'll be worth it. Uh, Not that I want to rush you or anything. No, of course not. And lastly, your parents are incredibly enthusiastic about you bringing your fairly serious girlfriend home for the holidays to meet them. Yeah, isn't it great? Won't this be a wonderful Christmas or... Excuse me, holiday season? Yeah. You know what, Tay? Before I came here, I was really nervous about talking to your folks for the first time. You know how I am around new people. Yeah. But not now? Now? Now I think that your parents and I have quite a lot to talk about. Oh, I'm so excited! Merry... Oh, um... Happy Holidays! Shall we go in? Taylor, there's just one more question I wanted to ask. Yeah? Kind of a non-sequitur, but... (laughs) Do you happen to have any strong opinions about the Easter Bunny? That was The Santa Thing, written by Greg Lamb. It was performed by Chelsea Mahoney as Taylor and Marion Thibodeau as Alyssa. So with me now is the writer of the story you just heard. He's a playwright, a screenwriter, and a board game designer based in California. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Lamb. Greg, how have you been? I've been all right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, now this is the second time you're on this podcast. You were also the writer of the play that was featured in episode number 29 called Crossover Fictions. Last time we spoke, uh, you already gave us the rundown of how you got into writing and your creative background. So let's go ahead and dive right into your fun little play that everyone just heard. It's called The Santa Thing. And this is a play about a, a grown woman who never stopped believing in Santa Claus. And it's it's a fun premise and what the script is sort of a snapshot of her life as she's bringing her girlfriend home to meet her parents during the holiday season. And this one is very different from your previous play, which was uh, a much more serious science fiction story. Uh, So what made you want to write this humorous little holiday play? Give us a little background. Well, my daughter right now is 11. And at the time I wrote the play, um, we're still doing uh santa gifts and in fact you know my wife would well it would be christmas eve we'd be getting together our gifts and we had the ones from mom and dad and then 
my wife just start pulling out all these different things like that I didn't know about. So well, what if we just took it to the uh, absurd street and uh, just have um, the situation where a woman grows up never uh, um, realizing that Santa is, well, I don't know, kids, <laughs> cover your ears, cover your kids' ears, realizing that Santa is uh, fiction. And so that's how I came up with the idea of um, someone bringing a partner home for Christmas and and revealing without realizing it that that she still believed in Santa. Now my daughter has since uh, this you know recently said, "So mom, you're Santa, right?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so this play, the Santa thing. Uh, has it been produced in theaters, and have you had a chance to see it anywhere? I so, well, let's see. It's been produced. I'm part of uh, the Asian American Asian American Playwright Collective out of Boston because I used to live in Boston before I lived in California, and I'm still sort of uh, working with them. And so we're just Asian American playwrights, and every year we do a night of one acts. And the Santa thing was my entry into that two years ago. And I've heard it there. I've heard it read a couple of times on Zooms. Um, I don't know if it's been done live anywhere else, but um, it's making the rounds. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, now, I just want to talk about the year that you've had. You've had a, a very successful year, it seems, especially since we last spoke. Uh, there was a full-length play you wrote that we talked about last time. It was called The Last Ship to Proxima Centauri, which... At the time that we spoke, it was having its professional premiere at Portland Stage Company. And now, not only is it slated for a month-long production run in Chicago with Otherworld Theater, but it was also published by the Broadway Play Publishing Company. So please, you know, share with us what the process was like getting this play out there and getting it discovered. Um, for productions, it's a matter of you know, finding all of the different publication opportunities or uh, all the different uh, contests and things out there. That's part of the business of playwriting that I've figured out, you know, how to identify um, a new play contest and entering them and getting, hopefully, my share of them. And for publication, it was featured one time on a new play exchange um, list, front page list. And that's where the Broadway play publishing uh, editor saw it and then reached out to me. So that wasn't even my intentional uh, application. It's just, don't anyone ever say the new play exchange doesn't do anything for playwrights because um, it does result in actual opportunities being done. So yeah, that is a part of playwriting business that I figured out, you know, getting a second and third Opportunities is the uh, the next stage that I have yet to figure out, really. Um, but, you know, I am getting the second production of Last Ship at Otherworld Theater in Chicago. And that's going to happen in basically all of February with a little lead over into January and March in 2023. So between that and um, the one important stage, which happened in uh, February or March of 2022 i've seems to have exclusively opened in very very cold places <laughs> <laughs> and uh, otherworld theater it's a it's a great theater for this play in particular you know it's right there in chicago and they focus on science fiction plays and it's a great space for the set 
because uh, you know, I saw the video production of when Portland Stage Company did it, and I know their space would be perfect for that spaceship set that you have. Uh, so, I mean, congratulations on getting that published and even getting more productions underway. Now, are you making plans to go see it in Chicago when they do it? Oh, definitely. I definitely will go out there. I actually have an uncle who lives there, so maybe I can crash. Oh, nice. Excellent. Uh, now, you have another uh, full-length science fiction play that I read a few days ago. Um, it's your play called Repossessed. And I, I read it and I loved it so much. And that's another one that you've had published by the Broadway Play Publishing Company. And it's already won a few awards. And uh, recently it had a reading with the Orlando Shakespeare Theater. And let me just right. say, any theater out there that's wanting to produce a twisty sci-fi story, this is the play for you. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I would love for you to kind of give us you know, some insight on this play, like let people know what it's about and um, its history and maybe the journey that it also took towards getting published? Well, I mean, publication, it was also after the the editor of Barbara Play Publishing saw Proxima Centauri, uh, he looked at my other plays and also liked Repossessed. So he offered to uh, put both of them under publication. So that was, that was uh, great for me. Um, the story of Repossessed is that a married couple uh, learn that their seemingly happy ideal marriage was in fact manufactured and installed into their heads by a mysterious techno company that they um, that revealed themselves to them. And the reason why that they learned this is that because of financial difficulties in their lives, they can no longer afford the upkeep procedures that keep the um, faux marriage intact. And so because of that, the company has to repossess all of the installed um, memories and skills. And it goes on and uh, examines what happens from there. Um, yeah. So they're kind of a, a Black Mirror-ish, even though I hadn't read Black Mirror or seen Black Mirror at the time when I first wrote Repossessed. Yeah, yeah. It's such a great original story. And this is one of your, because uh, I think you, it first started having readings and development. Was it around 2016, 17 from what I saw online? Or was it earlier? Yeah, I think that? so. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the full thing. Um, so people are surprised to find out it started as a 10-minute play. Mm, okay. There was, uh, there was the scene in the beginning where the couple learns this from uh, the company. And, you know, that was the 10-minute play. And for at least a couple of years after I wrote that, I um, would keep writing these uh, ancillary um, scene lits and side stories from this world, you know, examining what happened to this couple after, what happened before. Um, you know, surely in this case, this must have happened. Uh, just sort of writing fan fiction of my own work, basically, is how I describe it. And so if, after I'd done that enough, I had like sort of enough material to have a full, complete full length, in which case I just sort of taped it all together and called it a play. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, the end result. Yeah. I, I mean, I would definitely love to see it on stage one day. It's such a, like I said, it's a great story. And and like you said, it, it definitely feels like it should have been an episode in Black Mirror uh, even though, you know, it's, it's completely original and fresh. Yeah. 
And, you know, when I write sci-fi, you know, if you if people think about sci-fi as needing these elaborate production elements, you know, your spaceship or, or all that, but, you know, I'm a writer for theater. So when I'm writing them, I'm thinking of theatrical production in mind, you know, uh, last ship is a spaceship set, but it's only a single set. There's, and it's, it's intentionally small and cramped according to, you know, my stage instructions. So we'll see uh, when other world does it. Uh, they have these black box theaters, which aren't too big, but that's actually perfect for the play. It's built to be claustrophobic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, before you go, while I got you here, um, I want to talk about Pulp Stage and your relationship with them because you have a production coming up with them as well, uh, a series called Treasury Island. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let us know what that's about and when that's happening. So Pulp Stage, I'm part of their writer's room, and every Sunday we get together on Zoom and uh, they give us challenges. And They have a series called The Writer's Nightmare where we have to incorporate three weird prompts into um, a new script and Pulp Stage is uh, from Portland, Oregon, and it's specifically for pulp genres, sci-fi, mystery, horror, etc., suspense. Um, and so one thing they did was that they said, if anyone has an idea for an expanded serial, not just a single 10-minute play, but, um, but a series of short plays that tell one story, um, you can come and pitch it to them. And so mine was Treachery Island. And the idea behind that is that uh, during the filming of a reality TV show similar to, but legally distinct from Survivor, uh, what would happen if the actual apocalypse broke out? So yeah, a lot of twists and turns in 10 episodes of uh, sci-fi reality TV show goodness. So remind everyone of uh, your website and any social media pages that you'd like to share. Um, my website as a, my writing, my writing website is Greg Lamb, and that's G-R-E-G-L-A-M dot wixsite.com slash home. Um, and you can just look up Greg Lamb on New Play Exchange as well, and you'll find me, and you'll find links to my website as well. I think that's the easiest way to go about finding me. Excellent. All right, man. You have so much going on. I, I love it so much. Uh, Greg, thank you for your time. And again, you know, thank you for letting me produce your wonderful holiday play, Santa Thing. Keep writing, keep creating, and I would just, I'd love to share another one of your plays again in the future. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share anything with you. Thank you all for listening. And if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce the play you heard today on your stage, send an email to gatheredbytheghostlight at gmail.com or contact the playwright directly at his website, which will be listed in the show notes. This program is supported in part by the Greater Augusta Arts Council through a grant from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard, let us know. Please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you tune in next week for another Christmas-themed play as we continue the holiday special extravaganza. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we gather by the ghost light.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.